is Christian Questions. Virgil once said, your descendants shall gather your fruits. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. There you go, Vic. Um, I'm here. (laughs) That perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, and it's all in a politically free zone. And Vicky, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. And you can contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. It's actually .com. Or .net. Isn't it both? <laughs> actually, you're right. It See, is I still use .net. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Jonathan's not here this morning. I'm Rick. And I'm Vicki. And folks, we're glad you've uh, chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. Vicki, you're sitting in for Jonathan this morning. First of all, where is Jonathan? Jonathan is celebrating his son's wedding. So that is a pretty awesome thing. We decided to give him the day off because of that. Very kind. Isn't that kind of us? Yes. <laughs> and uh, you've actually been here with us uh, before, many moons ago, as, yes. as a co-host. Yes, I was. Several times. Yes, indeed. And it's so always a pleasure. So thank you for having me. We are glad to have you back. You are part of our Christian Questions team on a regular basis. You help me with my preparation every week, though. That's, yeah, I get to do the fun part. <laughs> yes, you do. So it's all cool. It's all awesome. And again, folks, here we are uh, this morning, and our subject matter is, what is the fruit of your life? And our theme text, Vicki, is? Matthew twelve thirty three. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So this morning, it's all about fruit. We've all heard analogies regarding fruit, you know, things like that was a fruitful trip, or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, or how about this one, what a fruitcake. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> We're all hoping to experience the experience bears fruit. Uh, please, with a cherry on top, you know, he went bananas, one bad apple spoils a whole bunch. You get the idea. Fruit gives us a sensible and understandable way to define life. And it's tasty, too. So, not surprisingly, fruit is a centerpiece of the New Testament teachings. So, what we want to do this morning is take a look. Take a look at the role that fruit plays in the New Testament and the role that fruit plays in our lives. And I'm not talking about bananas and peaches and apricots. We're talking about what is the fruit of our lives. So, folks, it's about the the, the building of character in Christ and uh, we're going to start by looking at some of the words of Jesus uh, the last night of his life on earth as he is uh, giving a very final and very incredibly inspirational lesson to his uh, disciples. John fifteen one to 3 I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. All right, so what does that mean? Because when you read that, you're thinking, here is a very sensitive uh, uh, teaching opportunity. Jesus is literally on his way to crucifixion, okay? Right at the end, yes. Yeah, so, Last so, words he's saying to the apostles. Right, so he's teaching them, they're, they're on their way to Gethsemane, where it's all going to come to a head, and uh, he, they, they, they probably are walking through a, 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 a vineyard. 
and he's probably looking around saying, here's a good opportunity. Let me let me pause here a moment. As he often did. Yeah, and, and that's right. He, he always took the opportunity to teach wherever he was and whatever the circumstances were. And so it says, you know, every branch that bears doesn't bear fruit, uh, God takes it away. And you think, that's, that's pretty harsh. It, it, it's scary. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think it means what it sounds like it means. So... Let's take a look at that. What does what does it mean that he takes away fruit that doesn't be, or branches that don't bear fruit? The, the word actually means what, Vic? To raise up, to elevate, to lift up, or to raise from the ground, take up like in stones. Okay, so you, you've got several ve- definitions that give a sense of not taking away, but actually taking up. I like that better. Well, and let's look at a couple of other ways that word is used because we want to get the context of what Jesus is saying about bearing fruit. Matthew 15:37 uses the exact same word that's translated in John 15 takes away. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. All right, so where where does this word appear in that scripture? That took up. So literally they picked it up. Right. Okay, what about Matthew 16:24? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And again, take up is, is, is the way the word is used. So Jesus uses that word in, in a very different way, meaning to, to pick up, not to necessarily throw away. It's so interesting that the Greek can bring out a completely different meaning some, as, as any language. But. And that's why it's, it's important to be able to look things up and, and try to find what the ancient meanings were and you use the cross-references in Scripture. So, you know, Jesus is, is really saying something, I think, a little bit different than it sounds in John 15 if you, if you look at the, uh, the, the standard translations. And we're going to get into that in, in another moment. Let's take a, take a minute here, though, and let's get into a soundbite from Pruning Grapes. This is from Oregon's, Oregon State University. And this is a um, an individual who's who's it's essentially teaching a class on pruning, and he's going through the steps of pruning and how to and what it all means. And we're going to be revisiting uh, the pruning exercise as he's teaching it uh, as we go through the program. So our objective today is to cut off last season's growth to keep the um, the structure of the vine in a manageable form. We are going to cut off 90% of what grew last year and leave two canes to lay down for next year's growth. Okay, so there's... 90%. Yeah, and have you ever seen a freshly pruned grapevine? I have, and they look dead. They do. This will look like, what did you do to the thing? There's nothing <laughs> left. <laughs> so you have that sense of, of they look dead. He says they're going to leave two canes or two branches, if you will. And he says, and it, it says something interesting. You're going to leave them there to lay them down. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that phraseology a little bit later, but uh, that, that's, you're hearing from somebody who knows how to prune a grapevine to make it very, 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 very productive. So, and just about everybody in the New Testament, everybody dealt with agriculture back then. So yeah. the common person, it's not like here where we're all going, what's a cane? What's a <laughs> yeah, right, right. They would have gotten this lesson from right. Jesus. Right, it, it would, have made, would have made perfect sense to them. So the idea, perhaps, in, in John 15 is not removal, but revival, 
because the text is talking about branches in Jesus. There's a small book called The Secrets of the Vine by Bruce Wilkinson. It is an awesome little book, and um, somebody gave it to me many years ago, and it really helped me to, to, to sort of expand my thinking on John chapter 15. Vic, we have just a few lines we want to quote uh, from that book, talking about, this is a, um, a vine dresser, an actual vine dresser being interviewed, and this is what he says. New branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground, but they don't bear fruit down there. When branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated in dust. When it rains, they get muddied and milled, 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 milled wed, it says. Oh, mildewed. That's okay. Sorry. The branch becomes sick and useless. These branches are much too valuable to cut off. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water, Looking for these branches, we lift them up and wash them off. Then we wrap them around the trellis or tie them up. Pretty soon, they're thriving. Now, that is pretty cool stuff. Very cool stuff, especially when you go back to John 15. Right. So what he's saying is, as a vine dresser, one of your jobs is, as the, the, the new growth is actually starting to grow, sometimes the branches find their way to grow down to the ground. And, and then they don't bear fruit. Right, because they're all mucky and dusty and yucky mm-hmm. and dirty and... And all of that. And so the vine dresser comes and literally cleans them off and picks them up. Right. That's very cool. That's very cool. And so I think perhaps that's what Jesus is telling us. Because let's go down to verse 3 from John chapter 15. We read verses 1 and 2. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So you see, it makes perfect sense. He says the branches that don't bear fruit, he lifts up mm-hmm. so they can bear fruit. And when you lift them up, you have to clean them. And they're already clean Right. He's saying, you don't have to be lifted up. You're already clean. You're already with me. You're already following me. So that brings us to our first lesson of fruitfulness. To be in Christ is to be willing to change the direction of your growth, to defy gravity for the sake of spiritual fruitfulness. So, so Vicki, growth in Christ is defying gravity then? Yes. Well, because typically we would look earthly and we need to look up heavenly to see what the Lord would require of us and what we could do to make him pleased with us. So what that what that really does imply then is when, when you look at your life and we look at the things that we would naturally have a bent towards, our bent is down. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it really is because, it you know, is. We're, it's down to the earth because we're earthy. I mean, we, we're, we're human beings and while all of the down bents, if you will, of our lives aren't necessarily bad. No, but naturally we would like to get even. We would like to take care of ourselves and pamper ourselves, and it's all about us. And that's what makes it earthly, I think, is just... Right, for you guys it should all be about me. No, no, no. no. Oh, no, no. Okay, that's not what you meant. (laughs) Up, Rick, up higher even than that. (laughs) All right, folks, we're talking about fruitfulness. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about developing ourselves in such a way to be Christ-like. If you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And you can stay connected to Rick and Jonathan at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter what the time or day. All right, that's a 24-7 service, ChristianQuestions.com. Check us out. So let, let's, let's just expand this, uh, this uh, first lesson of fruitfulness, growing up rather than growing down. Ephesians 4, 13 and 15, 215. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ... 
As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And I love the phraseology. We are to grow up into him. Right. That's the key. Folks, so the first point of fruitfulness, the fruit of our lives, is which direction are we growing? Are we going down into our natural human earthly tendencies, or are we growing up into Christ? That's, that's where we want to get started. Let's go back to our, our, our uh, vine pruning class at Oregon State University and get our, our, our second soundbite here because it helps us understand how important it is to do a really good job in the pruning process so fruitfulness can come. When I come to a vine to prune it, the first thing I look for is which canes I want to keep. Which are the ones that I want to lay down. So let's say I pick this one and this one. Everything else is going to get cut off and pulled out of the trellis and laid in the row to be chopped later. So we'll make a cut here and here. So it's interesting, and again, this this guy is not a Christian. You know, he's not doing any biblical reference here. He's teaching a class, right? And he, they're out ready to go out and actually do some pruning after this class. I mean, they're all standing there in their sweatshirts and kind of ready to go. And he says, "Look, we got to decide which ones to keep, uh, so that they can lay down. In other words, you're going to end up bending them down, the the branches that you keep, the canes or the branches, mm-hmm. so that they can be in a." Uh, run, uh, get tied up to the trellis parallel to the ground. Right. And that's how they can bear the branches themselves that bear the fruit. Which is a wonderful picture of exactly what we're talking about. It is. Which ones are you going to keep so they can lay down? Just like in Christ, what are we supposed to do with our lives? We're supposed to lay down our lives in service, lay down our wills so that we can be spiritually fruitful. Now look, it's great to live a fruitful life in your human life. It's great to live fruitfully, but there's much more to it than just that. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we are discussing what is the fruit of your life? Coming up, shouldn't being fruitful be easier once we're in Christ? That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what is the fruit of your life? To be part of our program, call toll-free, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now, and our website is ChristianQuestions.com. And, Vicki, we are talking about the fruit of our lives and... For a lot of people, when you talk about a fruitful life, they're going to tell you a certain set of things. Uh, but for a Christian, the the things that should be talked about actually should be a little bit different. In some cases, a lot different. Yes, very much different. So let's talk about how do you become fruitful in your life in Christ. And and you know, at the end of the last segment, you said something about shouldn't it be easier to be fruitful once we're in Christ? Because you think, okay, if you if you dedicate your life to Christ, He's going to give you all the instructions, and it's like, okay, here's what you do, go ahead, and then you just do it. Yeah, and, and just uh, like typing, and everything's good, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a look. Galatians chapter five, 
verses 13 to 26. We're going to take this uh, uh, set of scriptures in, in pieces. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. See, now, here, here you can take this scripture one of two ways. The first way you can take it is, oh, they're biting and devouring one another because they think each other is fruit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's not the way to take it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's, let's try again then. <laughs> See, the other way you can take it is, well, wait, what's going on? If we're Christians, if we are supposed to, and is, isn't Jesus the, the, the greatest symbol of love for his fellow man that ever lived? So why would we be biting and devouring one another if we're in Christ? That, I think that's the the biggest challenge of Christianity and, and where so many of us fail so often is that we are not acting Christ-like even though we might be trying. Yeah, and, so, and then we end up being trying. Right, exactly. <laughs> so here's the thing. The, just because you're in Christ doesn't mean everything is going to be good. It doesn't mean all your thoughts are going to be in accordance with Jesus and so forth. It means that you have to really bear down and figure out what's necessary to really let go. Because it says don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So that letting go is another cutting off that vine. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And and that cutting off has to be done by God through Christ. But let, let's continue with the verse a little bit more. Verses 16 and 17 of Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So, just because we're in Christ, just because we're called to freedom, doesn't mean that we're exempt from the desires and choices of the flesh. Wouldn't that be easier? <laughs> just, I accept Christ. Boom! All of a sudden, I'm the right, I'm a good person, and... <laughs> Well, it, it would be. It would be, but it's not the way it's supposed to be no. because the idea of being in Christ is supposed to be a daily choice to put your own will away and put on the will of Christ. And that's what being fruitful is in Christ. And I think also you have to become fruitful. You can't just tie fruit to your branches. That's <laughs> not really there. You know, like hanging on like ornaments? Right, exactly. Oh, look, here, here's an apple <laughs> ornament and a banana and ornament. And we can do that. We can pretend to be all these things, but... That's not what the Lord's looking for. So I can't hang love and <laughs> kindness and joy and peace on my arms and walk around saying, look at me. See, there's a difference. You can act kind or you can be kind. Oh, okay. And we're going to get into that <laughs> uh, in, in just a few more minutes. But right now, let's, let's go to a sound button. Folks, if you have a thought, uh, our number is 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. We'd love to hear from you if you... If if you have thoughts on what it means to be fruitful in Christ in your life, maybe an example, maybe somebody else you've seen bearing fruitfulness of, of, of Christianity, we'd love to hear uh, those thoughts, so please uh, give us a call. And, and if you can't call, you can post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. That's right. Facebook is a pretty cool place. A lot of people make a lot of comments there uh, on Facebook. And uh, also you can email us at rick at christianquestions.net. Let's go to another soundbite. And Vicki, uh, you actually said, one of, one of Vicky, folks, one of Vicky's jobs during the week is to send me material to use uh, for the program. And uh, you sent me this, this, this 1951 
coronet instructional film that was supposed to be used in schools and it was i think the title was improving your personality yes all right and and th- this is such a throwback to the past it's it's funny in some ways but it is profound in other ways so little soundbite from a 1951 coronet instructional film what do we mean when we talk about personality what is your personality It is the way you get along with other people around you and with your changing environment. You want certain things from other people and from environment. The way to go about getting those things reveals your personality. For example, did you ever want to go one place when the gang wanted to go somewhere else? What did you do? How pleasant was your personality? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got a radio voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, but he does. But, I mean, you see, think about that. For instance, did you ever want to go one place and the gang wanted to go another place? Now, see, if you use that phrase today, the gang would threaten your life. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, it, it's just so, so much of a different world than it was in 1951. But the point is well taken. When you, your personality is how you, you approach w- and deal with other people around you. And being fruitful in your life has an awful lot to do with that. Yes, because it also, I mean, the Lord knows he wants us to to get along in love. So the more fruit we all have, the better place the world's going to be. And, and, you, and you're right, the better place the world's, not just your own life, not right. just you and your own little gang of friends. <laughs> <laughs> if you're 1951, now it's your, your what do they call it? group of friends. BFFs, come on. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you very much. You can tell I'm still not caught up with the generation. (laughs) It's probably beyond that now. (laughs) But, uh, so it's interesting. What is, how does Christianity literally change the way you look at things, the things around you? Now, again, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. We were in verses 13 to 26. Let's pick up with verses uh, 19 to 21. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, I don't like this list. Yeah, I know, this is bad. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunken, there's a lot of these. Yeah, I know. Drunken, <laughs> carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned warned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're right. This is a very long and nasty, nasty list. The fact that we're informed of all these things warns us of their possibilities in our lives. Some of these fruits, quote-unquote, of darkness seem far less ominous than others. I mean, for instance, disputes and envy don't seem to be as bad as immorality and idolatry. And yet, what it says in the scriptures, any of these things can keep us out of the kingdom. Right. So, I mean, it is the little insidious things that we have to watch as well as the big things. And, and, and folks, that's the point of spiritual fruitfulness. Is you, it's not just, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, change my life and when I go to church on Sundays, everybody's going to see that. And, and even, I think it's interesting because it's not, a, it's not enough to not do some of these. You have to do 
the good ones. Well, isn't there something in, in physics that says nature abhors a vacuum? Yes. So yes. if you take a bunch of things away from your life, if you don't replace the, your life with other things, what's going to happen is that that, that stuff's just going to eventually come back in anyway. So really, the fruit of our lives has to do with not just avoiding those bad things. We, and we haven't even gotten into the list of good things. You know, when you think about doing a, a program on, on the fruit of your life, you think of the scripture in Galatians that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Well, we've gone one and a half segments into the program we haven't even talked about that yet it's coming it's coming it is it is it is and but, but the point is there's so much more to it than that you have to have the groundwork and, and the basis to work from so our second lesson of fruitfulness spiritual spiritual fruitfulness is an all-in endeavor and that's what you were saying you just can't take some things out we can't cherry pick the works of darkness that aren't so bad and expect to be fruitful it's not a salad bar no no it's no. not and, 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 you know, you, you can't just say, okay, I'll give up this, this, and, but, you know, these things aren't so bad or aren't as bad. And, boy, I'm, you know, look, I'm not as bad as that guy. Comparisons are odious. Odious. That's a good word. Odious. I like it. I'm going to adopt it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fruitfulness really is something that it should not be taken lightly. I mean, you know, it, it's fun to talk about the, the, the jokes about fruit and, yeah, he's a fruitcake and all that. But the idea of fruitfulness, I mean, the whole reason a vine is there is to produce fruit. Right. And I liked your comment before. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Right. It doesn't matter how pretty we are. It matters what our fruitage is in our lives. So that's the point of spiritual fruitfulness. Now, to the business of specifics of spiritual fruit. Okay. Now we get to the good list, Vic. Oh, so good, good. <laughs> this is Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another or envying one another. So this is a much nicer list. There's only nine of these fruit of the Spirit on this list. And did you know the first three have one syllable, the second three have two syllables, and the third three have three syllables, which helps me keep them in order? And it's love, joy, peace, and then it's package of figs. So it's PKG, patience, kindness, goodness, and figs, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you can memorize something. If you want to do it, you have to know it. So you have to memorize them. Well, folks, I don't know if you got that. But and that then if not, we'll cool. sing a song instead. <laughs> well, and, and you know, th that's another way to help memorize this, help understand what is the fruit of the Spirit, because you want to be focused on the things that you want to become. So let's take a one verse from a, uh, a Christian kid's song called Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and self-control. See, so instead of doing all of that acronym thing that you did, <laughs> you, you can just learn the song. You can if just you learn want. the song as well. The whole point is, you get what you focus on in life. So if you're focusing on being spiritually fruitful, then you have to know, like you said, you have to know what it is that you're looking for. So let's talk about what it means, the fruit of the Spirit. There's se several points here, I think, that's that are important in understanding the fruit of the Spirit. Let's, let, what are they? Well, like we read in verse 19, it's compared to the deeds of the flesh. So the fruit is compared to deeds of the flesh. Okay, what's next? 
Fruit is a result. It's the culmination of whatever tending and care and pruning has been put into the tree. So fruit is a result. Fruit is not where you start. Mm. It's where you finish. It's the harvest. It shows what has my life produced up to this point. Fruit is singular, implying that all these characteristics are products of the Spirit are needed to come together to develop each individual Christian. So it's one thing. Right, and, and that's a, that, I think we, we confuse that often because we, we, we often look at that Galatians scripture and say, hey, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the verse says. This is the fruit. If your Spirit is fruitful, you will have all nine. Okay, so there you have it, and that's a really, really, really good test. So it's not like hanging an ornament of love, joy, or peace, or patience on you. It's having all of them mm-hmm. at one to, to one level or another. Uh, what, what else? For the true Christian, this fruit is a direct result of the power of God working in your life and through your circumstances. Okay, and what else? Against such there is no law implies an invitation to produce this fruit in bushels. So what we have is... To produce a fruitful life as a Christian, and folks, really think about this. It, it sounds, it almost sounds uh, trite when you're saying, "Well, you know, how's your the fruit of your life?" Right. It just it doesn't sound like there's any substance to it. But in reality, this is one of the most important tests of what our Christianity really is inside of ourselves. And what's interesting, I think, is if we do focus on these nine things and really focus on them and try in our lives to to build them up. And some of us are going to be naturally patient, so that may be not as big of an issue as some of the others. But um, when you focus on that, you really do end up with the fruitage sometimes that the world thinks of. You will end up with more calm in your life. You will end up with more satisfaction in your life because these things are really what matters. And, And isn't that the point? If you took these nine things, and we're not going to be able to go through all nine of them today, and we're actually going to end up doing a part two sometime down the road on this, but if you took these nine things and applied them to your life, think of the amazingly positive impact your very presence would have on the people around you. It's astounding. Mm. It's astounding. Just one one last scripture before we close this segment. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do... Forgetting those things that are, which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, I, am, I have not yet attained, I have not yet achieved. He's saying, I have to still move forward. And it's a great example because you look at somebody like the Apostle Paul and you say, well, there's a guy who must have had all that fruit right in order. Right. But he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm forgetting the things which are behind. I'm due to be pruned again and I'm good with it. I'm good with that. I'm good with the whole process because that's where I'm going. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki, sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we are discussing what is the fruit of your life. Coming up, so how do we track fruitfulness of our own lives? We'll be right back. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject today, what is the fruit of your life? To be part of our program, give us a call toll-free, 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live on Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now, and our website is ChristianQuestions.com. 
All right, so so Vicky, you have those nine fruit of the spirit all memorized. I do. That's pretty cool. I, I don't. Do. And I used to get them out of order, so I really appreciated the syllable thing that helped me keep them in order. And now we also have the kids' songs. The, the point is, you get what you focus on, and it, and I'm going to keep saying that throughout this entire program, folks, because if we don't understand that, then we can't possibly be pleasing to God through Christ. Period. End of statement. It's really that simple. The fruitfulness of your life is one of the most important things you can ever, ever pay attention to. So, tracking our growth. We're talking about growing now. It comes through being able to acknowledge, observe, and measure the many aspects of Christian fruit. And as you said before, fruit is singular in this. Correct. So all nine of these characteristics are part of one. And that can be discouraging because you think, oh my gosh, I can never do all of them. But all the Lord's looking for is for us to try. And if we position ourselves to be able to be pruned, and I think that's the first step, Mm -hmm. is position yourself to be able to be pruned so that the fruit can grow from you and trust in the pruning of God. And be rightly exercised by that pruning. Right. Then these things don't become so ominous and difficult. So let's take a look back. Let's go back to our, our class in Oregon State University on how to prune grapevines. So we have the head area here. This is where we want our canes that we keep to originate from to keep the form. If we picked one of these canes down here to lay down... We have this area that's not being utilized. We want to fill, the the objective is to fill the linear footage of the wire so that there's a bud every four inches in an ideal world. If we lay this one down here, we have this area where there's potentially no buds and we're not using it. So there's several things in that that soundbite. And you know, the, the interesting thing is, that this gentleman teaching this class has nothing to do, uh, we mentioned this before, he's nothing to do with religion or Christianity. He's just teaching how to prune grapes. And, but the point is, he said, the head is the source. Whoa. <laughs> and, you know, when you look at scriptural picture, our head is Christ. So if we literally are growing out of Christ, we are growing from the right place in order to be able to be pruned and then to be have our, our lives as a branch, if you will, laid down. And bearing lots of fruit. And the idea of the branch, uh, uh, of the, the, the vine, um, the branches in, in the fruit vine, in the uh, grapevine rather, is that they have to be laid down. They have to be, they have to run uh, parallel to the ground in order to be in a position to be able to produce fruit. And it's not the way they would naturally grow. So it's a humility thing. Issue. It's an amazing humility issue. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And you can stay connected to Rick and Jonathan any day or any time at ChristianQuestions.com, exclusive videos, audio clips, and our great rewind tool, and much, much more. Right after the show or any day this week, jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget, Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You want to sign up for that at the website at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service, and it, it just it takes all the things we're talking about, puts out illustrations and graphics, and, and, and puts it in a, in a format that's really, really easy to understand. I love reading that. It's all colored, and I love it. Did that's you see great. last week's from the third part of Daniel yet? 
No, I did not. It is completely awesome. <laughs> just got to say it, dude. Completely awesome. You can learn so much from Daniel. I appreciate all those programs. Yeah, I tell you, you put the three together, and it's it really what it really does is it helps you focus on what you want out of life, which really is what we're talking about today. Daniel was fruitful. He that is for sure. He certainly was. <laughs> so let's go through now. Let's start with the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit as laid out in Galatians 5.22. And again, folks, we're not going to cover them all, so we're not going to go rushing through nine of them in the next few minutes. Um, we're going to start with love. And, and just a reminder, love reminds me of the fact that Jonathan is not here today because his son is in love. Yes, he is. And is getting married Tying today. Not. So uh, Jonathan is not here and you are sitting in for him because of that wedding. Um, and we're wishing Jonathan and his son Paul and his wife to be actually a wonderful, wonderful day today. So love is selfless. The selfless kind of love is what we're talking about. What effect should it have on our lives? Well, if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, that's the, the often called the love chapter in the scriptures. We're going to take a few of the verses. Love makes us honorable. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So, Vicki, if you look at that verse and you want to put it into your own words, what... What, is it, what, what does it tell you? If I can speak and say the right things all the time and I can sound like I'm very intelligent or wise or whatever, eloquent, um, but it's not coming from a loving place in my heart, it might as well be somebody banging on a pot. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really nothing good. <laughs> and, and that is so much the point because fruitfulness is, again, it's not something that's you, that hangs on you. It's something that grows out of you. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. It's, it's got to be coming from the inside out. It's a to-be list. It is. It's a to-be list. Not to-do, but to-be. Love gives meaning to our giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. All right. So again, Vicki, I'm going to ask you to, to rephrase this in your, in your own words again. What is that telling you in terms of internal, personal fruitfulness? I can give everything away and I can be very um, philanthropic and do all these wonderful things, give lots of money, and if it's not out of love, it's not going to do me any good because it could be that I want people to see me do these things or whatever and it has no good effect on me then. And that's not fitting into the template of what Christ-likeness mm-hmm. looks like. This is like hanging ornaments on the tree yeah yeah Yeah. so and and it's so important to to understand that too often in christianity i think you mentioned this before we do that we hang the ornaments on to make us look good but folks the question is are we being christ-like therefore being good there's a big difference between the two love is patient kind not envious and is humble first corinthians 13 4 charity suffereth suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself it is not puffed up okay so translation please <laughs> according to vicky yes love um it it's very very patient and it it understands other people are going to fail. It understands we're going to fail, but you keep on keeping on. And the interesting thing is in in, in Galatians 5.22, when it lists this fruit of the Spirit, it starts with this highest form of love, Mm -hmm. which is really one of the hardest things to master in your life. Right. But So it kind of gives this love as, as, okay, this is what it really is all about, 
and when you see the life of Jesus, uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to get ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll hold that thought because it's quoted down in, in a little bit later here. Uh, next part of 1 Corinthians 13.5 now, love is always appropriate, unselfish, understanding, and unassumptive. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. So when you look at that in terms of making it part of who you are, what is it telling you? It's telling you that you're thinking about other people more often than you're thinking about yourself. And that if you're not going to act unseemly, you need to be the person true and through and through. Because if not, when something happens and you have to act rashly... It's not going to be pretty. And we always go back to who we really are. Right. So it's really a matter of focusing on who it is that I want to be and what do I have to do. And thinking the best of everyone else. That's hard to train your mind to do. That is really hard. Necessary nonetheless. Okay, and that brings us to 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And that's exactly what you're saying. It rejoices in the truth. It doesn't rejoice in you know finding a fault in someone else, for instance. Right. Like, ah, <laughs> look at how weak he is. <laughs> I knew it. I'm better than him. Yes. Right, right. That is not the fruitfulness that's described by this benevolent type of love. Love is faithful. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So faithfulness is... Is, is that longevity of of attitude that mm-hmm. says this is the way I'm going to think and then the longevity kicks in and you just keep it there. And if you, you do fail over and over and over again, but I think the more you get back up and do it again, get back up and do it again, it will become a habit. So love is faithful, love never fails, first Corinthians thirteen eight. Love never faileth, but whoever there is there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So the point is, at that point in the development of the Christian church, there were a lot of gifts of the Spirit that the Apostle says are going to vanish away. But the principle of love is not going to vanish away. It's not going to fall down. It's, it's going to stay where it belongs. And then finally, love is the highest form of Christian expression, and this is Jesus himself in John fifteen twelve to 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that is exactly the way Jesus lived it, showed us how to live our lives. That is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a huge thing to think about doing, but you know, you can't do it alone. And that's why we are in Christ. Right. And and we're going to get back to that picture. But before we get back to that picture of pruning and and, and the vine and all that, let's go back to our Coronet 1951 Coronet instructional film on your personality and how (laughs) it is that you deal with others. And this is about Bill, young man, he's in high school, and he wants the car. So let's hear what his personality dictates as he asks his mom for the car. Let's see how personality works. Bill Woodruff here has something on his mind. He wants something. In fact, Bill has his heart set on something. How he goes about getting it, and the kind of success he has, will reveal his personality. Let's watch. Mom! Oh, Mom! You needn't shout. I'm right here. I might have to have the car. Help me to this table, Bill. But, Mom, I have to have the car for tonight. Where are the keys? Take one end of this cloth, Bill. But, Mom, the car. I heard you. If you're going to insist on having an answer right now, 
I better say no. But, Mom, you can't. It's so warm, Bill. Your father and I may want to go for a drive this evening. Bill isn't doing so well, is he? What went wrong? Let's see. All right, and so you want to find out what went wrong and how Bill can correct it, stay tuned for part two <laughs> in the next hour. And if we're not on your area in the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live to stay with us and find out how Bill changes his personality so he can progress in his life. And he, it does have a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. <laughs> we're going to come back to that. But, but the, the point of that, and it, it's kind of silly when we think about it today because, you know, how many families have just one car, first of all? But it's still the point right. that when you are focusing only on yourself, it's not fruitful. And, and, and that, for, for a Christian... See, now, for somebody who, who doesn't claim the name of Christ, that might be just all well and good for themselves. Okay, I'm going to focus on myself, and I'm the most important thing, so everything's good. But for a Christian, the whole point of being a Christian is to focus on Christ-likeness, which means this love prospect of focusing on others, on giving without worrying about receiving. That's the point of it. So let, let's, the whole point of here, one of the secrets of love, and we don't have a whole lot of time here, but Philippians 1, 9 to 11, love is the purpose. And the purpose of love is to help us embrace the gospel and become like Christ. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of the righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Having been filled with the fruit. doesn't say fruits, just like we were talking about before, but the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. That's the point. That's the point of your life. And folks, if you're a Christian and you're not focusing on that, you have to look in the mirror and say, well, what am I focusing on? And what should I be focusing on? Are we like Bill who just wants the car <laughs> and doesn't care about anybody or anything else? Or is there something bigger to our lives? Uh, our fourth lesson of, of fruitfulness. To be spiritually fruitful is to be engaged for the benefit of others, driven by the message of the gospel, the message of love, and the message of salvation. So it's to be spiritually fruitful is to be engaged for the benefit of others. That's part of what it means to have spiritual fruit in your lives. Folks, in the second hour, we're going to continue with that. We'll hear about how the story of Bill in the car. Let's learn a little bit more about pruning. And if there's time, I'll tell you a story about my own experience with pruning that really made an impact on my life. For Vicki and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all that. But until then, what is the fruit of your life? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Mark Twain once said, Why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick, and sitting in for Jonathan this morning is Vicki. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics. 
as we look at them from a different perspective. And Vicky, we've got what at the outset kind of looks like, oh, that's a nice, easy subject, but really it is one of the most profound subjects we could ever talk about. What's, what's the question? What is the fruit of your life? And our theme scripture is from Matthew 12:33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. And the whole point of this discussion this morning is our lives in Christ must be fruitful. And you've got to say, well, what does it mean for your, a life to be fruitful? And that's really what we're looking to determine is how do we create fruitfulness in our Christian lives. And, and just one quick note before we get back to recapping the first hour and going on with the second. Uh, you're sitting in for Jonathan this morning. I am. Because Jonathan he, is celebrating. His son is getting married today. His son is getting married. So we Paul decided to give them the day off and uh, want to wish God's blessing on that whole event. So for Jonathan and Jewel and uh, Paul and Ashley, you know, wonderful day ahead. So here you are. It's yes, good, I am. Good to have you back. It's a privilege. So, all right. So Vicki, now just... Let's kind of go back a little bit over the first hour. We talked about Jesus in, in John 15, talking about the, the vine and the branches and the pruning and the fact that, you know, you've got to prune the branches back in order for the branches to become, uh, to become the fertile ground for fruit to grow. And uh, you, you were, during, during the break, you, were ta- you, you gave a really good recap of what we were talking about in, in the first hour with love and so forth. And I think the goal of being fruitful, we just read from the last scripture right before we went into break from Philippians 1, is to glorify and praise God. So that's the goal of being fruitful. The goal is not to get what we want, like Bill's trying to get this car. <laughs> now that's, you know, so there, there is a, a difference here, but you do need it to be from who you are and not ornamentally hung on you so that you're getting what you want because you're being nice to someone. Okay. Very so, different. So so just one phrase that you mentioned I think that is really, really important is the fruit of the spirit, if you will, is not ornamental. No. And ornamental means, you know, it's like hanging an ornament on a Christmas tree. It makes it look nice. Right. The object of the fruit of the Spirit is to glorify God through Jesus. It has to be a pine cone. <laughs> right, because really it, grow it, on. It, it's attached <laughs> exactly. to you. And so how do we get our lives to, to focus in that direction? So everybody's outstanding question from the first hour is, what happens to Bill on the car? <laughs> Does he get the car? <laughs> if you weren't with us in the first hour, we've been playing some sound bites from a 1951 coronet instructional film which were played at schools and so forth to teach kids about manners and morality and all of those things and this young man bill he sounds like he's a senior in high school and he wants the car and he's he's badgering his mother about getting the car and and the the narrator basically says you know did he didn't do so well did he <laughs> well so now we're going to go back and look at that whole event from where Bill is going to actually approach it a little bit differently instead of badgering. Let's see what happens to Bill now. Your personality is the way you affect other people. Think about that. Can Bill do better? Can he have a better effect on his mother? Let's see how Bill changes his personality. Let me help her. Oh, all right. How would you like to go to the movies tonight, Mom? It's cool there. I could drive you and Dad to the show before I go. You know, Mom, this is a big deal tonight, the summer formal. My first. Other times, a car isn't so important. But for a formal, I'll get some glasses. I can't 
thinking you might use the car tonight, unless your father has other plans. But I'll try to see that he doesn't. Oh, thanks, Mom. You're swell. Well, there you have it. Mom's swell. <laughs> <laughs> Today they would have bought a kid car. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, the whole point is, instead of instead of coming out and, and, and going at mom with both barrels saying, Mom, I got to have it, I got to have it, nothing else matters, I got to have it, he's trying to be considerate and trying to look at what they're doing and trying to make a suggestion for what they could do for the evening. And, and their needs. If it's warm, they might need to go for a drive so they can go to the movies. That's right, because yeah. in 1951, you didn't have air conditioning. Right, <laughs> so, right. so And besides, it's the summer formal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a summer formal is, okay? <laughs> Sounds like prom. <laughs> but but the whole point, folks, is this. The the point is that if the way we affect others in, in, in our daily lives really shows the fruit of our life, really shows what it is that's coming out from us, what it is that we are growing in our lives. Not what we're ornamenting ourselves with, but what we're growing in our lives. And we've been talking about love, and the opposite of love, I think, scripturally, is selfishness. It's not hatred, because there is no such thing as hatred. Hatred is the absence of love. So... Boy, are you getting profound this morning. <laughs> you heard it here first. So, no, no, no. All right, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also interact with us on Facebook and always updated blog. Vicki, let's go to the phones. We have Julius on the line. Good morning, Julius. Welcome to the program. Well, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. First of all, uh, congratulations to Jonathan on his son's wedding. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wish them the best. Uh, and another thing, Rick, I notice you're an equal opportunity employer. Yeah, we try hard. <laughs> you you employ a female as well as a male. You, you show no bias. Good for you. Yeah, I, I think the, the key word here, uh, going along with your uh, uh, theme and uh, your approach to it, is cultivate. Cultivating, like say, for example, if you're going to have a lot of friends, you have, you have to cultivate friendship. So uh, that's one aspect. But uh, my favorite scripture, one of the old-time favorite scriptures, is John twelve twenty four. Going to the model, remember, I always like to refer to the Lord Jesus as a model. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And that was the case in his life. He he was uh, he sacrificed, and uh, Jehovah God elevated him to the highest uh, level that's on his right hand. So uh, uh, it's it's that uh, willingness to sacrifice and to cultivate and to be proactive. Thank you. God bless. Thanks, Julius. We appreciate your call. Okay. Bye bye. So he, he brought a very important word out there. Yes, he did. Cultivate. And that's the idea. When something is growing, it can be cultivated. Or we can cultivate in anticipation for something to grow. But the idea is, unless there is cultivation, the right kind of fruit, it cannot grow to its full maturity. Right. So good thought, Julius. Thanks so much for that. I like that. <clears throat> Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866 Vicki, our next fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 25-22 uh, is joy. We had love first, now joy. Joy is what? What does it mean? It's simple. Joy is calm delight. 
there you go. Calm. Cheerfulness and calm delight. It's not over ecstatic. You know, it's not, you know, jumping out of your skin. Yeah. It's saying, gee, mom, you're swell. <laughs> That's joy, okay? I think it's, it's that inner feeling. And you know the the, the you're right, it, and it's 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 a it it's directional. It's not it's not over the top. It's it, it's a focus. It's a direction. When you have joy in your life, you you can really move forward with things. We have the scripture. We're not going to read it in the interest of time. But you know, when when Jesus was 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 born in the manger, the joy of God was brought out through the the words and the of the angels in 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 heaven and the song. You know, they're they're singing great multitudes. You know, great they brought. Good tidings of great joy mm. to all people. That, that gives you a sense. All of, people. Of, right. All Jonathan's people. not here. I had yeah, to point that there out. There you go. There you go. Well, let's take a look at the challenge of living in joy because you know what? Our lives are not always full of joy. Our lives are full of challenges and difficulties. But let's we can have joy through it all. And that's the point. Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 6 through 10. It's the, this is the context of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Israel had fallen onto bad times. They were not being spiritually sound in their lives. They didn't have a lot of fruitage. No, they didn't. But Nehemiah really focused them on rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and getting back to focusing on the law. So they've done some really amazing things and we're sort of dropping in on this story at the point where they've actually rebuilt the wall enough as a defense and now they're realizing how far away from the law they had actually fallen. Nehemiah 8 verses 6 to 10. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Trishatha, which means governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So why are they weeping? Because sometimes it's challenging to find joy when our own actions have been contrary to that which is right. They weren't living in accordance with the law. They realized it. So now they're hearing it, and, it, and it's breaking their hearts because they're looking at themselves saying, Boy, what a mess we are. And we can do that when we look at these nine fruit of the Spirit and we look in our lives, we can, it can be overwhelming that we're not doing very well. So what's the advice when we're looking at life and, and you know, there's just a lot of difficulty and, and failure in it? Well, let's read verses 10 and 11. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the point, so, so, so they, Nehemiah and Ezra are saying to the people, look, don't be sorry. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Find the joy of the Lord. You've fallen down. It's okay. Just get up and find that joy, that, that directional motivation that keeps you moving forward. And I think that's what keeps joy in my life. No matter what the circumstances bring, I know God is in it. Because for 30 some odd years, I've seen him in my life. So therefore, even when things seem contrary to what I would like, or they seem hard, the joy of the Lord is my strength because I know he's in it with me. And, and that's huge. And, and you know, sometimes when you, when you realize the, the depth of the difficulty of the trials and tribulations some of us go through and you see the joy of the Lord, you say, boy, how is that possible? It's because it's the priority. It's because it's trying to be 
in Christ. It's trying to be pruned properly by the experiences of life. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And you can go to our website and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, and Matt, we want to go to this one, one last soundbite here before the break here. We've got to go back to the Oregon State University class on pruning the grapevine because it just tells us so much about the secrets of developing Christian fruit. We want to leave three good canes, get rid of everything else, and I tend to clean them up a little bit, meaning cut off tendrils or lateral shoots. So it's just a nice, clean cane. And then I'll tip it, usually right below the top wire, just to make it easier to wrap later. So what he's saying is even those good canes or good branches, he's going he's gonna to clean them up. And when, by cleaning up, means stripping them down to nothing. So God is our vine dresser. Yes, and, and sometimes life can be full of difficult trials and tribulations. Quick scripture, uh, Vicki, James 1, 2-4. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete Lacking in nothing. So trials should be considered as nothing but joy. It brings us to our fifth lesson of fruitfulness. To be spiritually fruitful is to develop the principle of joy that the gospel brings, even when the outside circumstances are contrary, and frankly, even when they stink. So life can be difficult, but that's an invitation to live in joy. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki, sitting in for Jonathan, here with Rick. Today we are discussing what is the fruit of your life. So, what is the sum of love plus joy? Stay with us and we'll find out. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki, sitting in for Jonathan, here with Rick. Our subject today is, what is the fruit of your life? To be part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit as uh, delineated in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And, and Vicki, what are they? You, you said you memorized them. What are they? I did. They're love. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at that. She knows all Package that. Package of figs. You have to remember faith. I mean, you have to remember love, joy, peace. But then you just have package of figs, P-K-G-F-G-S. Okay, there you have it. An easy way to remember some of the most important aspects of Christian fruit. And Christian fruit, folks, is probably different than the fruit of your life in other areas. If you're trying to develop a career, the fruit of, fruitage of that is going to be very different than Christian fruit. Although Christian fruit will always help to develop any other 
worthwhile fruitage of your life. And you know, and every other worthwhile fruitage of your life might not help to develop Christian fruit. Oh, that's for sure. So, so you got to understand how important and how basic it is. So we've talked about love. We talked about joy. And there are nine of those aspects. We're only going to cover uh, four of them today. We're going to have to come back for a part two sometime down the road. But the third aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is peace. And really, it's, it literally means peace. It's pretty simple. Yes. Peace and prosperity and sort of a calm. The proclamation of peace, well, uh, Luke 2.14 is a good proclamation of peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That was the proclamation, the, 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 the direction, the end result of the, the birth of Jesus. That was what it was going to bring. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's not here yet. No, but the work was begun, yes. and the work of the Christian is to become Christ-like so that this phase of the, the work of the gospel will be complete so the world can, can get the peace that was promised at the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's a long time in coming, boy, but boy, is it worth waiting for. Colossians three fourteen to 17, we're just going to read a small portion. Let's get started with verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So once we're clothed with love... We have all things in harmony, which can only bring joy. Because, you know, harmony brings joy. Yes. All right. So what does this combination produce? Well, let's look at verse 15 of Colossians 3. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It doesn't say, now develop the peace of Christ in your heart, does it? No. So So are we saying that you can't develop peace? By developing love and joy peace is that byproduct and i think you have to let go to let peace in and it's the peace that comes from above and so Mm -hmm. that's why it's not it's a little bit different than the love and the joy which is things that you know we work on and we focus on and and we we build our characters towards but when we build our characters towards those things peace of god can come to us from the outside in if we let it if we let it and that really is the key because it has to come from above. John fourteen twenty seven. Again, going back to the night before Jesus' crucifixion, he taught all about the fruit of the Spirit. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it's interesting, Jesus says those words just before everything falls apart, in, for, for the disciples anyway. I mean, he's taken captive, they're scattered, he goes into trial, he's, he's tortured and he's crucified. And you're thinking, great, Jesus leaves us with his peace, but look what happened, everything else fell apart. Where's the peace? Right, right, it's in pieces. You know, in their mind, that's what he left them with at that moment. It feels like pieces, but in reality, he was leaving them with his peace because he was about to finish what he came to start. And that's what brings the peace. It's the fulfillment of the will of God in our lives that brings peace into our lives. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Stay connected to Rick and Jonathan at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter what day or time. Let's go back to the, uh, the class at Oregon State University on how to prune grapes because this really helps us to understand that it's not just an arbitrary picking of the, the, the branches that get left. Because remember, during his previous parts of the lesson, he's saying you know, you're going to clear off almost everything. 90%. Yeah, and, and you're only going to leave a couple of two or three of these canes or, or, or branches that he's talking about. And now he's going into how to figure out which ones to leave. 
Good wood is critical. We always want to lay down a good cane. That is going to be our fruit for the next year. If we lay down a good cane with, that, that has good viable buds in it, we have a good crop next year. If we lay down a weak cane that's skinny, it might not be able to support the growth. The vascular tissue might not be enough to support that many mouths to feed. You know, the, the, the clusters are sinks. So, and we also don't want bull canes. A bull cane is one that's really big in diameter. They're usually, from second year growth, a latent bud that had pushed the year before for some reason. That's something like as big around as your thumb. The reason we don't want those is because the inner nodes are going to be like a foot, and we don't want that. So he, what he's talking about, and you know, you have to see the visual to really understand what he's talking about, but he's saying the, the branches that get left, they can't be too fat. In other words, they can't be too full of themselves, right? and they can't be too skinny, not able to support the growth that's going to come from them. Thank the Lord. He's the one that gets to pick our experiences in our lives. And, and it's such a great example of, of understanding the whole process of pruning. And God understands it, and we just have to be willing to be pruned. I have a, have a, a personal story from, from long time ago in my life that stuck with me. It, was, it, was a remarkable, it made a remarkable uh, mark in my mind. My great-grandmother, who died many, many, many years ago, had her hands in the soil all the time. And uh, she was getting on in years. And I remember uh, they moved to a new house. And we actually, um, my dad decided to, to buy them an apple tree because she loved to, to develop, you know, and, and plant and, and harvest and so forth. And they didn't have as much land as they, as they had previously. So, so my dad actually b- bought two apple trees. He bought one for their house and bought, bought one for ours. And so we planted it in the middle of her backyard, and the, the tree was there. And come the early spring, my great-grandmother decided it was time to prune the tree. And uh, so she did. She did what she always d- would do. She pruned the tree. Well, I was about 14 years old, and we went, would go over there for Sunday dinner every, every week. And when we went for Sunday dinner, I looked out the back window, and I saw the tree, and it looked like she killed it. <laughs> I mean, it looked, it really, it looked horrific. Now, I'm 14 years old, and I think I know everything. Yes. So I'm looking at that, and I didn't say a word to anybody, but I was, I was like thinking, you know, we're going to have to do something about this. She, she, she's just, she doesn't know what she's doing anymore. She's too old. She's probably killed the thing, <laughs> and that's not very nice. And I'm, I'm really upset and about And your dad this. bought the tree. Yeah, my dad bought the tree, and of course, we had the tr- you know, our tree in our backyard, right. which we didn't do any cutting on. And it looked pretty. It did look pretty, and we were going to let it grow naturally. That's what, that's what my dad said. Let's let, let it grow naturally. So we had this tree that looked like my great-grandmother just destroyed with her efforts at pruning, and I thought that she was old and senile and just didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> I really did. I and, knew your grandmother too. Yeah, and, and 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 it really, really deeply bothered me. Well, to make a very long story short, come the fall, her tree grew in an unbelievable way. She had really cool apples on the thing. It was round. It was perfect to look at, and and you had all of this fruit. And our tree was the most disgusting looking thing <laughs> you would have ever seen. And, and I never forgot that because as a kid, I looked at that and I didn't understand the amount of work it took to make that tree do what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the results, I looked back on it and say, she really did know. She was the master at making the tree do what it was there for. 
And that's the lesson of pruning in our lives. God is the master at pulling things away from us that we really don't need so that our lives can produce what we do need. And people might look at our lives or we might look at others' lives and think, oh, it's not fair. Why them? Why is this happening? It's because we don't understand. And that's where peace is such an important part of the fruit of the Spirit, to have the peace that knowing that God knows all. Mm -hmm. So it's good. It's okay. We can move forward. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And while studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics, go to ChristianQuestions.com for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources that no one else has on the planet. All programs are recorded and archived online. Check them out. There's a bunch of them there. Uh, that's right. We have them in bunches. Lots of fruit. Bunch, bunches. <laughs> <laughs> and, and folks, really, CQ Rewind, the full edition, is something you need to sign up for. You can sign up for it at ChristianQuestions.com. We do have an app for your smartphone. If you've got a smartphone, go to your app store, type in Christian Questions, and download the Christian Questions app. It's very cool. You have access to the, all of the things online through the app. And uh, CQ Rewind, the full edition, is a free service that we offer, but it does require you to sign up for it. It will be a great blessing for you in terms of Bible study if you give it a chance. Seek your Rewind, the full edition at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so Vicki, let's get back to it. Peace. Let's focus now on peace in our lives when our lives don't feel so peaceful. Romans 5, we'll read portions of verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so when you have peace with God, what does that mean? That means that no matter what comes your way, you know it's all okay. Because you are now in line with the will of God mm -hmm. through Jesus. So you do know, you know everything will be fine. And it's only through Jesus that we can know everything will be fine. And fine doesn't mean that you will be happy and that things will, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be rich okay. and I'm going to be wonderful. That's right, not what right, fine is. Right. Fine means it's in line with God's will and ultimately it will bring about the kingdom. Therefore, now let's jump down to verse 3 in Romans 5. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings about per perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And so here, and, and I'm going to interrupt you there for a second, here what you say, not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations. I mean, you, we should be able to. Now, you know, when you're having a really bad, hard trial and challenge in your life, you're not going to go around saying, whoopee! <laughs> That's not what peace is. Peace is that internal understanding and willingness to accept that God knows best and therefore it's going to work to our best benefit. And that is a... Our eternal best benefit. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is where our real true peace comes from. And so, and what happens with hope in verse 5? And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So hope doesn't disappoint. The hope that we have is not going to be disappointing, even though it may be far off, mm -hmm. because it is so important in our everyday lives. So accept, accepting this peace of God creates a foundation for accepting whatever may come our way. And if you can have that internal peace, folks, if you can have that internal peace in Christ, for, of God through Christ, then your life changes doesn't matter what comes your way because your, your life is now focused on something higher than yourself. Philippians 4, uh, verse, well, let's start with verse 4. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So you start here, you rejoice always. And again, rejoicing isn't always yelling and screaming and dancing around and, 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 and having this. You know what? Sometimes to other people, that's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Well, seriously. It is. Right. So how do we witness to our Christianity? In our, how, how, do we written, how are we able to rejoice and not be obnoxious to others? I mean, it really comes through... Having peace. It does. And not complaining. And, and when you do that, people notice you're different. And when people notice you're different, then life is different. Let's just not jump down to verse 7 there, Vic. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasseth all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here, you, here we have, in, in Philippians, we have an equation. God's peace plus Jesus' leadership equals complete antivirus protection. I like it. No <laughs> crashing done here. That's right. The antivirus protection is critical in our Christian lives, and that brings us to our sixth lesson of fruitfulness. To be spiritually fruitful is to accept the leveling and protecting power of God's peace through Jesus into our hearts as it becomes manifest through the development of love and joy as a result of the gospel. That, that was a mouthful. There's a lot to be said there. Seek your rewind the full edition. It's going to be li- written out for you. But just to say it again, to be spiritually fruitful is to accept the leveling and protecting power of God's peace through Jesus. See, it levels our life out. It takes a lot of the highs and lows out. That's what the peace of God does. Right. And it makes it so all of these things are acceptable in the same way because it's all in God's will. It's all in God's way. And that puts things in a whole different perspective and it's all manifest through the gospel. So folks, we're talking about the development of the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about how do we make our lives Christ-like? How can we be willing to be pruned daily? This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Today we are discussing... What is the fruit of your life? Coming up, love, joy, and peace. Aren't these enough to be fruitful? We'll be right back. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Vicki sitting in for Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what is the fruit of your life? To be part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. So we've gone through love, joy, and peace. Our next fruit or ne- next aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is patience well, or hurry suffering. Up. <laughs> well, you know what? As an example of patience and long-suffering, we're going to go to the phones because Randall's been waiting a long time. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> Randall, good morning. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, Happy too. Happy Sunday. And we have James 5-7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. There are apple trees next to our house in full flower. We know that these flowers will result in fruit. The Christian knows that in God, every action of our day, every joy, but even the mundane and the unpleasant will bear fruit. Jeremiah 17.8 In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still produces fruit. 
We know this in Christ. Do we show it? In Christ, we live our lives in patience and joy to show others that their lives can bear fruit as well. Acts 14.17 He did not leave himself without witness, for he gave you rains from heavens and fruitful seasons and filled you with gladness for your hearts. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. Thank you. You know what? And I want to paraphrase one thing Randall said there that uh, is, is really important. Do we show what we know? Mm-hmm. And that is such an important part of Christian fruitfulness. And if it's not showing, it's probably an ornament. So, here is, so do we show what we know? If it's not showing, then it's not growing. Oh, See, you're a poet, and, well, and Rand- you know it. Randall has got us started here. <laughs> the whole point of this, folks, is you've got to understand that Christian fruitfulness has got to come from you as a result. It comes as a result of the pruning. It doesn't come as a result of you're so good. Right. It's a result of the pruning and, and the being allowing the pruning of God to, to work in your lives in such a way to produce the fruit, even when the pruning makes you look not so good. And others may not see it right away, but you know. Right. You know when you're improving on these things. And, and that's part of the piece that we were talking about. So now we're moving on to patience or long-suffering. And, and let's take a look, just a couple of scriptures to give us a sense of the pattern of long-suffering. First, we've got the long-suffering of God. Romans nine twenty to 24. But who indeed are you, a human being, to argue with God? <laughs> Wait, I, I, <laughs> you just got to think about that. Who are we to argue with God? I mean, think about that for a minute. I, yeah, can I go on from there a little yeah. bit? I also, it really boggles my mind when people want to serve God for what they can get out of him. Right. Instead of serving him for what we can do for him. Right. Big difference. Yeah. I'm going to serve God because he's going to make me rich, famous, whatever, wealthy, f- smart, I don't care, but no, 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 backwards. <laughs> okay. Okay, so go ahead. Will, what is molded say to the one who molds it? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one object for use and another for ordinary u- or special use and another for ordinary use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath to make known his power, has endured with much patience the objects of wrath that are made for destruction? And what if he has done so in order to make known the riches of his glory for the objects of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? including us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles? So the whole point here is, look, God has a plan. We don't see the plan clearly in this day and age because it doesn't come across clearly because it's in the middle of being uh, developed. And we tend, as a as a race, to argue with God, saying, you know, God, you really don't know what you're doing. If you're up there, you're doing a pretty lousy job. It's kind of like you and the apple tree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like the human race is the 14-year-old Rick right. saying, my grandmother killed the apple tree when, in fact, she made it grow. But it didn't. It, the no, permission of evil is very valuable. It is. And, and so, so the long-suffering of God is, I mean, if we think we have a hard time with evil, imagine the patience of God letting us go through that mm-hmm. as, as a loving parent would let their child go through something difficult. It kills you to do it, right. but you do it for their ultimate good. Well, now let's take a look at the pattern of the long-suffering of Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, 
he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus' long-suffering was for the purpose of fulfilling for the world God's love and plan. His, and he suffered, and he, you know, it cost him. His, his, his earthly life was one of great cost to him personally. And yet, there was not a, a, a complaint out of him. He just went through the pain and the suffering for the benefit of everyone else. And he learned the obedience, which Be- is what we all need to learn, too. So long-suffering, patience, long-suffering are such, important, such an important part of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go one last time to our uh, class that we're taking at Oregon State University here <laughs> on how to prune grapevines. Where your canes originate from is important. We want them to originate from the head, but we also want them to be able to be laid down, meaning they need to bend at a 90 degree angle to lay down on this wire. After pruning, these guys will get tied to the fruiting wire. And if they're above that fruiting wire, the angle doesn't work. You're going to try and bend it down and it's going to break off. So, so in that sound, I mean, you'd think the guy is teaching a Christian class, but he's not. Right. But he's saying, you know, the, 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 the branches that, that we choose to keep, that God chooses to keep, have to originate from the head. Who's the head? <laughs> it's just perfect. And, and he said, but they can't be growing. And if they grow out, if they're, if they're starting above the head, he said that's not, it's not a good place. Because, because they, once they're humbled, they'll break. Right. They won't be able to bend far enough to be humbled so that they can produce the fruit. And it's such a marvelous example of what we are called upon to be and to do in our lives in terms of being the, the conduit through which fruit can develop. The Christ-likeness has to come from Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, there duh. you go. <laughs> And, and, you know, so, so it gives, it gives us a really, really clear sense. Folks, if you have a thought, now is absolutely the time. We're almost out of time. It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you don't get your phone call in, we'd love to hear from you about what you say. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, that's where you find everything, ChristianQuestions.com. And again, don't forget, seek your rewind, the full edition. So let's talk about patience and long-suffering as we begin to wrap this up, Vic. Luke twenty-one nineteen. In your patience possess ye your souls. Now that's a very short and very, very broad statement. So when you, when you read that, what do you think? I think that it's, and, and I really like the word long-suffering, which is the Greek word, because mm-hmm. that indicates it's not going to be a quick and easy be patient for two minutes while you're in the grocery store line but it's the long-suffering day-to-day stuff that's going to make you who you are for eternity so in your patience and and you know patience doesn't just come to us uh without anything else when you have the love the joy and the peace Mm -hmm. and all of the other aspects of this fruit of the spirit that's where patience can really show itself in, in our in our daily lives, and you're right, it's it's long suffering. You have to be patient with God, who can move us slowly. Right, right but <coughs> but deliberately. Mm-hmm. See, that's the key. It's slow, but it's deliberate. And when you have the deliberate movement of God in your life, then just wait. 
Right. Just wait for it. It's an amazing thing. But if you're thing. fighting it, it's going to be a little slower. <laughs> right, right, right. Because you're trying to, sh- you're actually pushing the other way. Right. And, and down back to that illustration from early in the program with the vines growing toward the ground, you don't want to do that. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. See, I love the way it starts. I would have despaired. Unless I believed in the goodness of the Lord. And for the Christian, the development of Christian fruit is just that. We would despair if we didn't believe it was for eternal good and eternal salvation. Right. Not only for us, but for the world as well. First Peter 1, verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, you know, in this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little, and I love the way he says, oh, for a little while, little while. you're distressed yeah. and trust. It could be years. <laughs> hundred years. <you> know. <laughs> but, but it's only a little while. It's, it's, it's a heartbeat in relation to the eternity of blessing and honor that are in store for those who remain faithful. It, it, it is such an amazing thing. But again, the point is, what is the fruit of your life? Is it human fruit? Is it is it earthly fruit? Is it accomplishment fruit? Or is it spiritual fruit that says, I am becoming more Christ-like in all that I say, do, and think? Now, let, let's finish up that verse, First Peter uh, Uh, chapter 1, let's pick up with verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. See, long or short, the result is beyond our comprehension. And and that's such an important point. The the idea of you don't see God, but you've said several times on this program today, but you see God in your life. Right. And that gives us the ability to have long-suffering. The ability because you see God in your life, and it's not necessarily a neon sign, and most of the times it's internal, but when you see it, now you can hold on tighter and for longer. And that's what it's about. Let's go to another, again, another way to remember the fruit of the Spirit, another humorous little uh, uh, Christian song about the fruit of the Spirit. This is from the Brentwood Kids, one verse, The Fruit of the Spirit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Do you want to be a coconut? You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit is love, joy, peace, faith, strength, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, faith, strength, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. No. The, the song goes on to say it's not a banana, it's not an apple. If you want to be a fruit of the Spirit, you might as well hear it. you gotta, you got to focus on what it really, really is. And it's one thing. Right. And, and, and you know the, the point of the songs, each verse of the songs in each hour, folks, is simple. It's to help us remember what it is we're focusing on. Because you get what you focus on in life. You truly, truly do. Trust me on this one. <laughs> Look at what you focus on and find out what you're getting. You say, well, you know what? I want, I want things to go away. I, you know, I, I don't want to live a life of trials. But if you're focusing on the trials all the time, guess what? That's what you're going to get. If you're focusing on the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keeping your heart and mind in Christ Jesus... In the midst of trial, what you're learning through the trial, then the trial becomes the external thing that's happening around you, but on the inside, it's the peace of God. 
on the inside, it's fruitfulness. You're in the water, but you're not wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Last scripture, Vicki, on this program, James 1.4. Then I'm going to ask you for your final thoughts, so just be prepared. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So let endurance have its perfect, complete Results. I mean, it's such a such a, a powerful, inspirational thought. Again, folks, we've only covered four of the listed fruit of the spirit in Galatians five. We will do part two at another time coming up uh, in in several weeks. But Vicky, just final thoughts, impressions based on our conversation this morning. For me, it's it's not to get discouraged when you look at all nine fruits fruit of the spirit, nine pieces, but to just keep on keeping on every day, trying to be more. Loving, joyful, peaceful, uh, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, and self-controlled. One piece at a time. And that really is it. Folks, if we say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really falling down on the job. Okay, maybe you are. But what we need to do is get up and let God take those pruning shears and cut away the things not necessary in our lives so that which is necessary has room to grow and not only to grow but to flourish and not only to flourish but to bring praise and honor to God because that's what it's there for. What's the fruit of your life? Vicki, thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Folks, we'll be back again next week with another subject. Until then, this one is one that's worth thinking about over and over and over. What's the fruit of your life for Rick, Vicki and Rick and Christian Questions? Be back next week, but till then, fruitfulness. Think about it. <laughs>